It was a dark day in Dallas, November 63, a day that will live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a riding high, good day to be living and a good day to die. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Heavy Decibel Operations. I'm here with Jeff Klingman and Yona Korngold. And we're going to start off by talking about this excellent chestnut that uh, Bob Dylan decided to, to drop in the middle of the corona pandemic, uh, Murder Most Foul. A 17-minute dirge about <laughs> JFK murder. Just knowing, be, always being on top of the zeitgeist, knowing exactly what everyone's talking about. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, I mean, the first one, I guess, is, I mean, it, it's been made clear that it, this was recorded some time ago, obviously. I, I don't think we can uh, assume that this was an allegory for <laughs> our modern situation, exactly. So, I mean, I was trying to think when the last time I actually sat down and, like, listened to a new, like, new Dylan album, and it's gotta be the one that was really pushed on us in our teens, the uh, Time Out of Mind, right? Like, in 97. Right. And I looked it up, and he was... Uh, if my math is correct, he was 55 then, and I like perceived him as unfathomably old when that came out. In my mind, as like a 17 year old listening because Rolling Stone or whatever said it was a good one, I was just like, oh yeah, this is like, you know, a dying man's last testament. But like, he was, you know, just fine, <laughs> like <laughs> fine health. I, I definitely have not been seeking out new Dylan content in, in terms of records in a while. So be before you get into that, I uh, I can give you some I can give you some rockers that are currently fifty five, so you can compare. <laughs> uh huh. So Ed Eddie Vedder, sure, or Pearl Jam, Courtney Love, lead singer of Hole, uh, Maynard James Keenan. Finger of Tool, Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, uh, Hadaway, What is Love? And <laughs> I I agree with you that at the time he seemed quite on, I mean, he seemed unsteady, he seemed like he was being propped out there, and of course that feeling was only increased when the uh, youthful soy bomb uh, came up oh, next man. to him and started dancing. That's my my last lasting memory of, of Bob Dylan. And um, do you think Soy Bomb has like proper hand washing technique? <laughs> yeah. like, what are the odds? Um, <laughs> so if any of those rock stars you mentioned like came out with an album about like boy, it's almost the end of me. Like maybe with the exception of Court of Love, I'd be like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> You know, uh, like, so, I mean, so all that is a wind up to say, like, I mean, he's 78 now and seems ancient. Um, so I, it's, this, this has been in his draft folder for a while, right? I mean, like, like, I guess he's just like the rest of us, like, this is a great time for like content. 
<laughs> was was he going through his his uh, Dell computer and just stumbled upon this, or you know, is he was he predicting that there would be a widespread lockdown and people would be starved for new content? And Jeff, are you trying to say that uh, a whole versus dedicated to Wolfman Jack? Don't really uh, <laughs> well, are really relevant to the youth of today. Uh, well, no. Although I mean, it's a topic for discussion though is that like, have you guys read the the Pitchfork Best New Track review for this? No. Dropped half hour ago. Um, it's, it's kind of a treat in terms of like reaching for any kind of relevance to attach to this thing. Uh, I mean, listen. God bless Dylan. <laughs> Nobody likes nothing against Bob Dylan. Not claiming he's overrated in any way. Like I'm not no hot takes on Dylan, but like a song that he clearly like a, a good topic for quotation is whether this is a true freestyle or whether he's like he wrote down. That's I could go either way on that. But the Pitchfork review is like and in this like elegy for troubled times, like the Lincoln Continental is a time taking him back through and it's just like this is not a very good song and like (laughs) you know we're not exactly talking like Ballad of a Thin Man in terms of like allegorical poetry here it's like like I played Wooly Bully for a schoolyard bully like it's pretty much the level of lyricism we're dealing with here so it's like I mean I think what we were talking about last episode about uh, everybody cooped in in a really weird moment. Like, everybody is going to be really, really eager to say, wow, this piece of art right here, like, this captures the time. Like, this is the song, this is the thing for the moment, this is the film for the moment. But, like, really, it, no one has had time to process anything right now. And if we're eager to give it to like like a 17 minute like romantic rhyme remembrance that lived on Bob Dylan's computer like I, I don't know I mean maybe it is the song we deserve I don't know I guess Yona did you well, what was your reaction to if I remember correctly you're a big sort of Dylanologist yeah I have a feeling maybe he's just, uh, this is the first of an album all on presidential assassinations <laughs> where he'll go 20 minutes into James Garfield assassination <laughs> and his thoughts on that. Well, I mean, that's why it's so long. You got to fill out the A side, right? <laughs> right. right. What? <laughs> but like, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's actually like, because thinking about like the last Dylan stuff that I really like related to, I mean, He's he hasn't been far away from the from people's minds and the conversation, but it's all been really like true, um, kind of like presentation of his own kind of like archival material, you know. Like people, like he keeps putting out these bootleg series albums that are really um, steady clip. He's really like um, the the Netflix documentary is really sort of interesting and actually like a little bit subversive in terms of like you know making up stuff and like putting in fake information in the con like in the context of you know the story he's telling about that tour like he's actually like 
the, what you think about it, the strengths of like old Bob Dylan artistry of being sort of like subversive and uh, a canny like self like mythologizer like all that stuff has been really apparent in the way that he has become his own archivist I would say but none of that is like him writing a lyric exactly and like if this is like what he's been rolling around with at the moment like I mean you know whatever I mean he I, I, <laughs> I don't expect him to have the fastball, I guess. Right. Yona, I, <laughs> we'll have to apologize because you're the closest thing we have to a Dylanologist in this <laughs> call. Very but, far. Like, <laughs> it seems like he's resisted looking deeper into his songs and kind of says, you know, they are what they are. Um, yeah. So Dylan, Dylan, you could say, has classically just resisted everything. <laughs> So like this song would be is a resistance to what you would think Bob Dylan would release during these times um, in some ways and in other ways like I'm just fascinated by it because there's yeah it starts out um, describing the scene of a Kennedy's assassination the day in Dallas then there's a point of view shift where he is Kennedy and there's a lyric about where he's Kennedy then there's a point of view shift where he's Oswald like kind of a quantum leap style <laughs> and then the end of the song, the last like ten minutes, is his of uh, best like Bob Dylan's list of things that we should be listening to, <laughs> where he goes through his, his entire record collection of, of, like, of suggesting music. It's like losing losing my edge, nineteen sixty five. Well, but I mean, <laughs> right. in that way, isn't it? It is appropriate for our time of quarantine, right? It's like it's like the nineteen sixties songs you should check out if you're stuck under quarantine. Right. Maybe maybe he read a bunch of listicles and was like, you know what? Like, <laughs> I got just the thing. So as a um, he does he not have a, as many weirdo people do have his own um, uh, XM series XM radio station. Yes, I don't know if he's doing new shows, but that I mean that show is also brilliant in this matter of where it was just complete randomness of thoughts whatever things that came to his head but like really amazingly produced like line by line just like as an old like vaudeville show where starring bob dylan doing all the parts it was it was very strangely and also very entertaining right just because this is a show that uh we all agree that politics run through everything. The thing that I've always struggled with is his, he seemingly outside of whatever he may sing and you infer politics from it. It seems he never, like he doesn't talk about politics. He never gets involved in anything other than what he might put into his song. Correct. Right. He would never sit and say, Oh, yeah, I wonder what his last politician that he endorsed, or if there ever was. Dole. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I mean, it, it's kind of like, it struck me weirdly as like, I mean, I, I feel fully ridiculous with what I'm about to say, but like, this is not unlike a Lana Del Rey song. <laughs> In terms of like 
like this long ambling like overly super referential to like old-timey rock and roll kind of elegy <laughs> and if she put out like a 17 minute song about the death of the american dream as like uh filtered through the jfk assassination everybody would be just like oh vintage lana like classic <laughs> lana and so like it's funny to me um that that is what I thought of when I was listening to it. Just because, like, I guess that just speaks to how uh, successfully she has has taken over that, like, uh, faded American dream corner of, of, uh, of, of popular music. Uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything, frankly, but... Right. <laughs> do you think Dylan's ever listened to Lana Del Rey? What are the chances? What do we, what do we put the probability it all depends if he has so, someone yeah. who feeds him shit and demands that he listens to it. And that's entirely possible. Um, do you, I think it's more likely that he's listened to that than it is that he's listened to, like, the second Wallflowers album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, there was... In one of the last, like, uh, previous releases, there's a song like Thunder on the Mountain where Dylan, all of a sudden, there's a verse about, I was thinking about Alicia Keys. <laughs> oh, Keys yeah, I crying. So, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it past him just to reference someone. It, it uh, reminds me of, uh, if I remember this correctly, Bernie Sanders kind of declined to endorse his son. I feel like Dylan... <laughs> I feel like Dylan throughout his life, Jacob Dylan has like said, Oh, can you introduce me to, or, Oh, could you lend me your, you know, your guitar? And he's like, yeah, no, no, I'm going to stop you from living your life, but I'm not going to help you propagate this idea of, uh, of, um, you know, being a true musician. Well, it's, uh, it, it speaks to the madness of the cabin fever that we've, quickly veered into uh, father-son fan fiction. (laughs) But, I mean, I don't know, man. I think uh, maybe a broader point is that, like, the hunger for something that is meaningful right now doesn't really... I think it's a pretty low bar at this point, right? Like, Like, it's basically, like, Tiger documentaries, Bob Dylan, like... Literally anything you got right now, like we're ready to attach full meaning to it, and with like no questions asked, really. I mean, some yeah. questions asked, like why a 17-minute song about the JFK assassination during the coronavirus is one question asked, but <laughs> but that's not necessarily a uh, like it's it's the 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 void of anything that isn't uh, just the the dire news at the moment is we're ready. Yeah. Um, the reason why I sort of asked about politics is I've just been something that's been in the back of my brain for a long time and uh, their, their much hyped return is obviously being postponed by uh, coronavirus like everything else. Uh, is I just I really want to know where Zach De La Rocha went all these years. It's something that has been burrowed in the back of my brain that outside of 
uh, somehow Killer Mike and LP getting him to appear on a Run the Jewels track just sort of disappeared. Um, this seems like it would be a perfect moment for him, and maybe that's why they came back, but I don't know. I've just been, you know, and, and Jeff, you and Randall and I talked about this last week, the absolute disappointment of any sort of artistic response to Trump seems like, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, Dylan, the fastball's gone. Maybe, you know, maybe he didn't really have politics. He was just sort of the bellwether for a moment in time. But, um, you know, what, let me, if you have any thoughts about Zach De La Rocha, uh, or if not, like, what's the next thing we're waiting for to just appear out of nowhere to entertain us for 24 hours on, uh, <laughs> in our quarantine? Uh, well, in terms of rage, I mean, they their absence, I would have to look up, and this is great radio, but I'd have to look up when that last album actually came out. I don't remember if they were active and vocal during the Iraq war buildup. Like, I kind of, I have a vague, it could be like the Mandela effect, but that, like, I, I don't remember if, if him being on the front lines of that stuff. Um, because that would have been kind of the last flare-up. It's not like you've seen him out there in terms of, like, Ferguson or, like, any other, like, Wall Street bailout, stuff like that, um, that you would expect Rage to be, you know, speaking to. So um, the last thing I remember is the, they, and, and I am generally a supporter of this, um, they sort of protested at the 2000 Democratic uh, Convention. And so, you know, I am always uh, a strong believer that, you know, criticism from the left should be towards the left as well, because, you know, we can't expect much of people on the right if we're not, if our house is in, in order. But that was kind of the last thing that they did of major prominence. They might have had an album after that, but, you know, I, I think it failed to make a, a dent. Right. So it's been a long time. Yeah, and I think that was their last, might have been their last album, almost like, yeah, 2000. So they, they haven't, post 9-11, been, had anything to say, really. Uh, nothing much happened. You know? <laughs> right, in the 2000s. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, maybe, and I think it would be maybe a, a wrong approach to assume that they still have their fastball or he still has his fastball. So no, no, uh, no artist is going to come and, and throw the ether down. That's going to make any changes. So what, from an entertainment perspective, can you, can you hope for a virtual pavement show? I mean, I, I guess that's a, I have not been so keen to watch even artists who I have utmost respect for play like a uh, you know like a laptop acoustic set like I think that that's more a gesture of hey like 
I think it's an empathetic gesture rather than a gesture we should be judging artistically. Right. Or even one that we should be, um, you know, I mean, I think it would be beyond pointless to, like, give a decimal point score to, like, Wax a Hat's Instagram Live show. Right. Like, I think that that's purely, like, hey, this moment of connection, like, I know you're stuck here, we're stuck here, like, we'll see each other one day. So, it's like, to me, the art of that is the gesture. It's not the thing itself. But, I mean, which is not to say that you couldn't, like, have a good time watching Ben Gibbard play Death Cab covers or, you know... 88 days in a row. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's... I think, you know, I think that that's really lovely in a way, but I don't think that it's... it's It doesn't give me the charge that I get out of something that's a little bit more intentional, so it's not something that I'm seeking out. But I think if we've learned anything from any of this, like... I think that people are ready to latch on to, to really anything. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, whether that's, like, something old and meaningful, or whether that's something purely, I mean, from this Tiger King thing that I mentioned before, which it seems like everybody's watching, just, like, pure escapist trash is a solid bet. Right. <laughs> what's going to capture our attention in ten minutes. Yeah, and I, I think... There was a, an interesting article on uh, Medium by Eve Pizer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but essentially, you know, celebrities are just like you. They're bored in their houses. You know, admittedly, they're much uh, better furnished and, and uh, higher uh, value houses, escaping boredom by throwing shit up and seeing if it's interesting and more often than not it is not interesting and you know the in the midst of all these streams you still have the entire history of the world's entertainment at your fingertips and even though there's nothing to do there is still 24 hours in the day so are you going to revisit a you know a criterion collection movie or are you going to watch Ben Gibbard play Death Cat from 1994? I mean, I suspect it won't be very long before we get a good old-fashioned, like, surprise album drop that somebody's already obviously made and has been sitting on. But it's like a finished piece of work that maybe we don't know is coming, but already exists. You know what I mean? Like, if a Beyonce record came out, in two weeks, it would not be recorded in two weeks. It would have, they just would have been altering their release schedule, you know? Right. So, I think, though, I, you know, I bet there's a way to do, like, it's a little cynical, maybe, or it's a little, uh, you know, opportunist, but I bet the first person who figures out a way to get their grand statement album that they already had in a certain release window out and into the public that will be received with this level of importance that it may not like it actually could be a golden opportunity for somebody to really own I mean it seems silly to say something like oh this like own the moment it's just like the moment is owned by overcrowded hospitals and like pure terror but uh, I think 
when we look back, I would be shocked if something doesn't come out in the next couple weeks that um, will retroactively be assigned this level of importance because it existed in this moment. Right. Yona, anything to add? Yeah, I, I, I feel the same. Like, my... Though I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool, so-and-so released something from their living room. But haven't felt the need to click and look. Um, more, I'm going back to things that people who are putting shows up from like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, and more of that nostalgia than actually trying to live in the moment. Um, and I feel like most people's responses to the, the solo artist who's in the living room recording a song and saying, oh, that's, that's, that's cool. That's what uh, Trey Anastasio's living room looks like. Or <laughs> instead of looking at the music as a piece of art, as, as Jeff was saying. Right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels very disposable versus something that, you know, people, if anyone's going to watch it years from now, it'll only be to try and recapture what you were personally feeling at the time. Which, I mean, <laughs> quarantine nostalgia in 10 years is going to be a trip, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like the retro aesthetic of people, like, <laughs> stuck in their houses. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll find a way to be nostalgic about it, but at the moment, that seems insane. Yeah. Right, quarantine sort of art is kind of like the new, uh, like, breakup poetry or, <laughs> or that kind of... Uh... Neo-quarantine. It has a real neo quarantine feel. Yeah, exactly. Twenty twenty seven album. Yeah, there, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that are trying to make their mark on the world by creating a whole new genre of music that will be, you know, quarantine core. Just like mixing in various background noises of, of children and and <laughs> people arguing. Well, Which is what I've been actually been waiting for. Like, where's that release of someone deep in a dark basement, three o'clock in the morning, making crazy sounds, <laughs> inventing new sounds? Like, where's that? I mean, I guess we'll let's give it a couple weeks. Yeah, check right. back. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll we'll wrap up in a few minutes, and we'll just talk about. I feel like this is part podcast part therapy session for for everyone what is everyone's current mental uh state uh coping mechanisms i i've been asked by uh, my wife and my father separately if i you know if we can do something in a month from now and my stock answer is always, I'm just thinking about today and tomorrow, and I don't really have the bandwidth to think about. Not the bandwidth, that's the wrong way to think about it. I like. I think it's kind of pointless to think about something that may or may not happen next week. Yeah, I mean, the tricky part is, as somebody who works in events, is that on some level, it's like, it's it's we keep falling back to the next trend, you know, like it's in the early stages of this, it was like, okay, so this is going to be like a couple months, like April 1st, like, okay, this is going to be X, this is going to be this. And now, I mean, I don't know, 
work sheets stuff started to get canceled in June, and the Olympics are canceled for July. I like the thing that's despairing is the is the absolute lack of certainty about an endpoint, right? So living in the moment is okay, <laughs> but I haven't exactly been able to get off of the idea of trying to calculate on some level what a likely end game for this is. And I don't know if that's a place that you guys find yourself often, but I mean, you know, reading novels stops that briefly or planning trees like I was doing earlier. I wasn't really thinking about my Twitter feed at that moment, so right. perhaps that'll be a guidepost going forward. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know. I think we keep sort of floating around the idea that like we'll know more in a couple weeks but what we know so far hasn't been particularly encouraging no and and the fact that there's absolutely no consensus even if you wanted to sort of zero in on on reputable sources or people that you know you feel are actually giving you the truth versus putting it through some um, partisan slant. Like, there's no consensus there, so you can, you know, there are moments where I glom on to the extremely, or I would say from the scientific community, there's nothing that could be categorized as extremely um, positive. Let's let's say not so dire. Um, And I just, I... I read too much of the this is going to last much longer than than you think it is. Like, I sort of, and this is a bad way of thinking, but I live and die by pronouncements from sports leagues. And, like, they don't know anything any better than anyone else. And just because they're targeting, you know, September as when they're going to hold their their rescheduled event doesn't mean that anything's going to be remotely normal there. So I just, like, I think you have the right idea that we can't all plant trees, but we should find our metaphorical (laughs) trees to plant to get away from it all. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's sort of the realization I came into this week that, yeah, this isn't not only a pandemic, but this is an error. Like this will be an error of COVID-19. Like this will be here for a while and we're gonna all live with it and find a way to move on and how how best to um, isolate it. But it will be, it will be a long process. So that's great. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days we'll end these on a higher note, but it won't be this week. But yeah, wow. I mean, I think once the yeah, my my thinking is yeah, once the antibody test is available, and we all say, oh, like yeah, that cold I had four months ago, oh, that was that was COVID nineteen, yeah. and then how sort of you'll have probably a week or two of feeling invincible before you start feeling dread again. Yeah, no, I mean, I that's my expectation that at some point in time, I mean, and that's kind of. I mean, the most realistic, optimistic proposition is to find out way after the fact that at one point in time where you felt a little unwell that you had it, like that, 
and but you know you gotta you gotta just assume I've just been assuming that I have had it or have it and, and treat every interaction thusly good way to live life it's not a way I thought, <laughs> that we really anticipated thinking yeah well uh, wolfman a wolfman <laughs> wolfman howl right. rub-a-dub-dub <laughs> yes. a virus most foul <laughs> All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Later, Keith. Later, Jeff. Bye.